One of my favorite things to do on hot summer nights is to sit on our back porch and watch the fireflies. And as a kid, I'd always thought of fireflies as magical creatures, little zen-like fairies silently and peacefully floating around, lighting up the night sky. And I'm not alone in that thought. You know, I used to be just like you. I thought, you know, oh, fireflies, you know, they're so beautiful. You know, they couldn't possibly have a backstory that involved paralysis and neurotoxins and gory predation and gluttony. That's renowned firefly researcher Sarah Lewis, a professor of biology at Tufts University and the author of Silent Sparks, The Wondrous World of Fireflies. And you heard her right. Fireflies aren't all sweetness and light. They also have a dark side, too. In this episode of the Animalia podcast, we're getting a glimpse into the lives of fireflies that we don't often see. We find out how they communicate and how they have a backstory of predation and toxins and even deception. Yes, deception, all happening right in our backyards. Turns out a firefly's life is filled with way more drama than a daytime soap opera. But first, let's get some firefly facts and fictions out of the way. There are a lot of firefly myths out there. My favorite firefly myth is that they're bugs, lightning bugs, or, oh, they're flies, fireflies. Turns out they're neither. The way that you can tell that they're beetles is that they fly using just one pair of wings, and then they have a second pair of wings that have been modified into hardened covers that fold back when the firefly isn't flying, and they protect those delicate flight wings. And so that's a characteristic of all beetles, like ladybug beetles. Myth number two, all fireflies are the same. Worldwide, there's more than 2,000 different kinds of fireflies, and they have a surprising diversity of lifestyles and morphologies and behaviors. They're really, really cool, and they're really diverse. And one way of getting a handle on that diversity is to break them down into three major groups. One group are the lightning bug fireflies. In the lightning bug fireflies, both the male and the female fly around and talk to each other, so they're communicating with one another using very quick, bright flashes. Way more on that later, but on to category two, the glowworms. In the glowworm fireflies, it's often only the female that can light up, and as their name implies, they don't flash, but they glow. So they emit several minutes long glow. These types of fireflies are really common in Europe. The females don't have wings, so they find other ways to get closer to the males. So every night, those females climb up onto perches in low grass or bushes, and they light their lantern, the light-producing organ of the firefly, and they swing their lantern back and forth, back and forth, hoping to attract a male of their species flying around in the forest. And lastly is a category called daytime dark fireflies. Unlike the others, these adults don't light up at all. The males don't light up, the females don't light up, and they're active during the daytime. They use pheromones. They give off chemical signals to attract their mates instead of light. So there's a lot of fireflies out there. But for this episode, we're going to be talking about the first category that she mentioned, 
the typical lightning bugs that we often see in North America, where both males and females light up. But I've digress. Let's get back to those myths about fireflies. The third myth about fireflies is that everybody associates fireflies with summertime, right? And they never really stop to think, and you know, honestly, I didn't stop to think, where do they go when they're not out (laughs) flying around flashing? And so it turns out that what we think of as the lightning bug and summertime, it's just the tip of the firefly iceberg. The truth is, when we see lightning bugs flashing, we're really only seeing their swan song, the two-week period when they're trying to find a mate right before they die. What most of us don't see is that a firefly spends the majority of its life in a totally different stage as larva. The larva of a firefly is a very, very different beast. They live underground and they spend about two years living underground in this part of New England. And they are carnivorous. They are voracious predators on earthworms and other soft-bodied insects. And they pretty much only focus on eating and growing and eating and growing. They're kind of like the firefly teenager. How does a baby firefly eat? Kind of like a pack of lions. And vampires? For the common fireflies in North America, one group is called Photinus fireflies. And those guys, when they're larvae, actually turn out to be earthworm specialists. So that's pretty much all they eat. And when you see a firefly larva, it's pretty small. And when you see an earthworm, I mean, there are small earthworms, but earthworms can be pretty big. And so what these fireflies tend to do, the larvae tend to do, is they gang up on earthworms. They have very, very sharp, sickle-shaped jaws that they use to bite the earthworm. And when they gang up on the earthworm, there's a lot of larvae that line up along the earthworm, all biting it. And they are also, at the same time, injecting the earthworm with these paralyzing neurotoxins. The prey will pretty soon stop moving. So it's still alive but it's paralyzed. At that point, the firefly switches over to secreting digestive enzymes from the inside of its body out through the same hollow jaws. And it basically is able to digest the earthworm externally and then suck it up as a liquid. It's kind of like an earthworm smoothie. So yeah, it's a kind of a gory lifestyle, and it's hard to reconcile that juvenile lifestyle with the ethereal firefly adults that we're used to thinking about. It is hard to reconcile, so I realized I just had to see them with my own eyes. I dropped by the lab to meet Tufts PhD student Avalon Owens, who works with fireflies in all of their life stages, and even raises firefly larvae in the lab. Here are some of our larvae. So those are some, there's some worm chunks in here, but if you can look past those, these are the first batch we got, which hatched on the 22nd of June, and they've already gotten quite big. They're like the size of a pencil shaving. 
She places a petri dish that contained a few firefly larvae under the microscope so I could get a good look. And it's not what I had pictured at all. It's so hard to view them as predators. The larvae are so tiny at this stage and they're kind of worm-like themselves with little white striped bodies and itty bitty legs. They're almost a little transparent. They've eaten a worm, it gets all pinkish because you can see through it into their tummies. So they kind of look like little zebras, just like little striped things. Very cute. They also have these cool caudal organs, like this sort of tubular thing in their tail that they can evert and they can use it to grab things and like hang from things. Almost prehensile a little bit. It's like a little hand on their butt that they can use to walk around. And just the way, I like the way they move around so purposefully. Like it really seems like they have places to go. Under her care, these little guys are flourishing and growing up fast. We've been really spoiling them. We feed, make sure they have a fresh worm every day, <laughs> all of them. <laughs> and then the next day we clean out their cage, you know, their little petri dish, and we add another worm. But it will probably slow down as they get bigger. And even at the larval stage, these guys are able to glow. Fireflies are one of the special creatures on the planet that are capable of bioluminescence, or producing their own light. They produce that light in a specialized tissue area of their abdomen called the lantern. And within that area is a high concentration of a particular enzyme called luciferase, which is responsible for creating a chemical reaction that produces light, but it doesn't produce any heat. And firefly species produce different colors of light too. Some glow more yellow, while some have more of a green or orange tint. But why do they make light at all? What's in it for them? Professor Lewis explains. So fireflies produce light for a couple of different purposes. One purpose that we're more familiar with is that the adults fly around flashing in order to find and to attract mates. So in the common North American fireflies, different species have different flash patterns that they use, like a kind of Morse code emitting a particular combination of flashes and pauses. What's really cool is that you can identify the exact species you're seeing out in your backyard just by studying its flash pattern. I know fireflies are completely silent, but since this is audio, I asked Professor Lewis if she could vocalize a particular flash pattern of a certain firefly. Lucky for us, she was game. One really common firefly in the eastern United States is called the Big Dipper firefly. The body of the firefly is is pretty large, and it's called the dipper firefly because of a particular flash gesture that it makes as it's flying along. These males fly early in the evening, still when it's quite light out. You could still read a newspaper, and they fly pretty low, like around six feet. And as they flash, they dip down, and then they suddenly lift up. And as they're flying, then they're doing this, Zoop, zoop, making a J-shaped flash gesture as they fly. And that's a really, really distinctive Big Dipper firefly. There are other firefly species closely related that have an entirely different signal. So these males give off a pair of quick, bright flashes. So the males might fly along and then they'll go, So a pair of 
flashes that's separated by an interval of several seconds, and then the same flash pair repeated again. So the males are out busy flying around, broadcasting light to attract females. But what are the ladies up to? Females, even though they can fly, they generally don't fly. So the females hang out on the grass. They often climb up onto perches where they're, you know, poised at the top of a grass stem. And as the males begin to take off and fly around, those females are, they're just sitting there and they're watching. They're looking around, looking for a particularly attractive male. So when a female who's sitting down below is looking up and she's seeing a flash pattern, she'll say, ah, yes, there's a male, and it's a male of my species. And so the males are advertising not just that they're, hey, I'm a really attractive male, but here, I'm a really attractive Photinus pyralis male. I'm a Big Dipper male. <laughs> it's a very specific advertisement. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a very specific audience. So if she likes what she sees, she starts to flash back. But then what happens? When they see a female response, he'll stop in his tracks. I mean, really, just like suddenly, he'll just drop out of the air down onto the ground. And then they will carry on a dialogue, flashing back and forth. And that can go on for sometimes it's just a few minutes, but it can be as long as an hour or more before the male finally finds the blade of grass that that female is on and mates with her. Let's just say I'm a female firefly. What am I looking for in father material? Professor Lewis and her students wanted to find out. And to answer that question, my students and I were able to conduct what we like to call firefly opinion polls. So we could use a computer and an LED to play back different kinds of flashes to the females. And females only answer a male or a fake male in this case if they think it's an attractive male. So females basically would tell us what it is that they like. And after hundreds and hundreds of hours of testing fireflies in both the lab and in the field, they found a pattern. We discovered that females seem to like males that are more conspicuous. So sometimes that was males that gave slightly longer flashes than average for their species. Sometimes it was males that had a higher rate of flashing than other males of their species. And so it looks like females are trying to pick out the brightest, flashiest males. But firefly light isn't all about just finding a mate. It can also serve another purpose. All baby fireflies can light up. And they're definitely not using their light as a courtship signal. They're much too young to be looking for love. We've discovered that juvenile fireflies use their light as a warning signal. They are extremely bad tasting, and so it's an advantage for them to advertise that really nasty taste to predators with some kind of a conspicuous signal. It's nighttime or it's dark underground, and so they need something that's visible to predators, and so they use light. Fireflies don't just taste bad, they're actually dangerous to eat. 
and are toxic to most predators, including birds, frogs, and bats. And if being toxic doesn't deter them enough, some fireflies are able to do what's called reflexive bleeding when they're stressed. They ooze out bloody goo to coat the jaws of predators. It tastes bad, it smells terrible, and it buys time for the firefly to get away. So to me, it seems like they got everything covered. They're not on anyone's menu. They have nothing to worry about, right? Well, this is where the story gets really interesting. There is one creature who eats fireflies, and it's not what you might expect. In one of the most fascinating twists of firefly biology, there are certain fireflies that actually, um, most firefly adults don't eat at all. So they do all their eating and growing in their larval stage. Once they become adults, the majority of fireflies don't eat anything. All of their flying, all their courtship flashing, everything that they're doing during their adult lives is fueled by reserves that they have accumulated during their juvenile stages. But there is one group of fireflies. They are called the Futurus fireflies. I like to use the mnemonic of Futurus. It's hard to remember. Futurus, Futinus. Futurus fireflies. Not all of them, but many of them are predatory. So during their adult lives, they have several different strategies that they use to hunt and eat other fireflies. They, they don't eat other things. They only go after fireflies. But there's a reason for this bizarre behavior. They're not just eating fireflies because they're hungry. This one group of fireflies somehow lost the metabolic machinery that they need to make their own protective toxins. And so in order to protect themselves against their own predators like birds or spiders or small mammals, other things that eat insects, they actually need to consume other fireflies, hijack their toxins, and that's the only way that they can protect themselves and their offspring against predators. What completely blows my mind is that these types of fireflies have evolved crazy hunting strategies. These Futurus fireflies actually have a, a whole bunch of tricks up their sleeve or under their wing, I guess you'd have to say. So one of the things that they do is they can fly around in a field where other fireflies are active, their prey species are active, and they can just simply hawk these male fireflies, just catching them on the wing and consuming them. The other thing that the so-called femme fatale can do is they can mimic the flash patterns that are normally used by the females of their prey species. And they can do it so convincingly that they can lure in the males, getting them lured in close enough that they can reach out and grab them and eat them. The predatory firefly will actually switch languages using the flash pattern of a different species to entice her victim to come closer. It's a pretty genius survival strategy. Another really cool thing that they do is these predatory fireflies hang out sometimes next to spider webs, and they wait until a firefly has been caught by the spider and wrapped up by the spider. And then these predatory fireflies actually jump into the web and steal that spider's prey. They take the wrapped firefly and run off with it, and then they consume that firefly, sequestering the toxins and then gaining protection for themselves. 
See, I told you. Intrigue, deception, robbery. Who knew that one little beetle could have so much going on? But keep in mind that the predatory lifestyle is just one group of fireflies. For the rest of them, well, they're just out there trying to find love. Fireflies have been out there making light for millions of years, long before humans arrived, and their light has always intrigued us. Today, we use properties of firefly bioluminescence to study all sorts of things, from cancer research and food safety to even outer space. They've been used to detect life on other planets, so firefly chemicals were sent to Mars on one of the earliest Viking missions. But just as scientists are learning more and more about fireflies, there's also a growing awareness that populations might be on the decline. A lot of people have the impression that there are many, many fewer fireflies out now than there were in the same areas when they were kids. Unfortunately, other than that sort of anecdotal reports, we don't have a lot of good long-term data on insect populations, any kind of insect, and fireflies among them. But Professor Lewis and Avalon Owens are working to change that. They're partnering with Mass Audubon for a citizen science program called Firefly Watch. And people anywhere can record the number of fireflies that they see in their backyards or local parks to help scientists get a better sense of how firefly numbers are changing. So we're interested to be able to track those changes in firefly populations, starting with the U.S. and then hopefully looking more closely at firefly populations around the world. Although fireflies are found on every continent except Antarctica, their habitats are shrinking. They love to live in meadows, woods, and wetland areas, and those areas are getting harder and harder to come by these days. Around the world, people are noticing that firefly populations are blinking out. In Malaysia, for example, there are fireflies that live in mangrove forests, and these mangrove forests are being cut down and replaced with oil palm plantations and shrimp aquaculture farms. And so in many, many parts of the world, the major threat to fireflies is the loss of their habitat. But it's not just habitat loss. They're also losing the night sky. Fireflies are especially sensitive to light pollution because they rely on these bioluminescent signals to find their mates. Fireflies need darkness for their flashes to stand out. So bright city lights or even street lamps can really mess up a firefly's love life. A lot of towns and municipalities are switching over from the old-fashioned kind of street lights that we used to use to LED lights that can sometimes be very, very, very bright and extremely intense. The LED lights are great because they're energy efficient, but they might not be the best lighting for wildlife, and also they might not be the best lighting for human health. PhD student Avalon Owens is conducting research to learn more about light pollution's impact on fireflies and find out whether certain colors or intensities of LED are more firefly-friendly. I tagged along with her one muggy evening to a research site located in the woods of Concord, Massachusetts. We are testing out whether artificial light can affect the ability of males to find females and or their preference for different females. So we have two fake females of identical color, flash duration, everything. And one of them has this light on her, and one of them doesn't. And we want to see 
whether the presence of light affects the male's preference for a female. And we only count the males if we catch them, which means it's quite, it's quite an exertion. And also there's a lot of mosquitoes. And she's really not kidding about the mosquitoes. Her research assistants and I are decked out in mosquito netting from head to toe. And they still swarm around us as the team sets up gear for the experiment. Yeah, let's try here. Despite the mosquitoes, morale is still high. And it's not long before male firefly appears. He hovers nearby, flashing for a mate. And they begin counting out his flash pattern. One, two firing off the fake female LED light response on the second count. One, One two. two. Ooh, that guy. Mm-hmm. One, two. Eventually, he makes a choice and comes to one of the LED lights. One, two. He might come. He's right here. He's in. Got him. Yes. OK, mark that down. Look at the time. They catch him in a large net and mark him with non-toxic paint to make sure they don't recapture him in the future. And then they release him back into the night sky. Although he doesn't know it, this little firefly has made a contribution to science. And this research could have a huge impact on the types of street lamps that we use in the future. The goal is to find a light that is bright enough to help humans see where they're going, but have less of an impact on wildlife. People generally don't take light pollution very seriously because they tend to be asleep at night and so they don't realize how much it's disturbing natural habitats. And, you know, fireflies a nocturnal animal that people really like. And so I would like to be able to use them to attract public attention to the problem of light pollution, which I think affects a lot more than that. I'm very passionate about stopping light pollution because it's such an annoyance. It's such a, it's just so bad and it's so needless. It's so excessive. People just leave lights on in buildings when they're not there and there's no reason. And like a curtain costs not that much money. And also turning the lights off saves you money, right? And also, you know, it's a huge problem growing worldwide. You know, every year it gets worse, but it could be fixed instantly. It's not like climate change. It's not like habitat destruction. It All it requires is turning off a light or getting a less disruptive light. All it takes is to just flip the switch. You can make a difference for fireflies just by turning off your porch light. While you're at it, you can leave your lawnmower in the garage this summer too. You can turn your backyard into firefly habitat just by the simple act of letting your grass grow and not using herbicides and pesticides. If you can't leave your entire lawn, even a small section is helpful. Fireflies tend to lay eggs close by, so you can quickly build up firefly populations over the years right in your own backyard. And lastly, join Firefly Watch and help scientists learn more about firefly populations and how to protect them. To figure out how we can make sure that there are still fireflies around in 100 years. If you want to learn more about fireflies, check out Sarah Lewis's book, Silent Sparks, The Wondrous World of Fireflies. We'll link it to it at our website, annamaliapodcast.com. And there, we'll also have a photo gallery featuring PhD student Avalon Owens as she conducts research both in the lab and out in the field during the firefly season. Check it out at annamaliapodcast.com. That's A-N-I-M-A-L-I-A podcast.com. 
This episode is produced by me, Anna Miller, with special thanks to Sarah Lewis and Avalon Owens at Tufts University. Music and sound effects are by Blue Dot Sessions, Epidemic Sound, and Pond5. Thanks for listening.